can you guys give a huge family welcome to Papa Lake? take a few moments and just look at all of you beautiful people. Just wave to me and smile. Wow. Mike was sharing with me earlier that, uh, that probably this weekend for me is just going to be a weekend to get wrecked and I think it's already started. So, uh, <laughs> so I've already been crying throughout most of the service and, and I cried this morning with the leaders and Afterwards, <laughs> and just uh, realizing that, uh, wow, something is just taking place and just watching you, just loving on Jesus and what you are beholding, you're becoming. And it was just a moment during the worship when I was just looking at your faces and in a moment I could see Papa God, he was just looking at his sons and daughters and his family and just to see Papa God, just a smile on his face watching you, and I, I was so overwhelmed by the smile of Papa God. So I just, uh, it, it's almost difficult to, to, to actually even try to preach or teach or anything else. Um, I think that part of my assignment during uh, the next maybe 30 minutes is maybe provide a little bit language for uh, what I believe that God is doing in this season. I think it is very important for us, uh, first of all, to understand the time that we are living in. Uh, because uh, there's been a lot of people that didn't understand the time. So if we understand the time that we're living in, uh, you're going to be so excited that you're going to have to have, you're going to have to have sunglasses to be able to look into the sun, into the glory around. Uh, it's just one of those seasons that is phenomenal in the kingdom of God. The very thing, and even when the video, part of the reason I wanted to show that video was there was in a, in a moment on the video, the little girl, she says, Papa, Papa, what does the kingdom look like? And she said, well, he said, well, I do not know, child, but all I know, it would only be entrusted through a family. And actually, it was after my baptism of love in year 2000, after having an ex just an incredible encounter with the Father's love, where I was able, when I looked into his face and started for the first time in my life to see me the way Papa God was seeing me. It's an overwhelming feeling when you're looking into his eyes and this encounter. And later on, uh, I spent some time with my spiritual father. His name is Jack Taylor. And we were just walking along. And I'm like, he always talked about the kingdom and seeking first the kingdom and, and, and how the kingdom of the Lord is going to become the kingdom of this world. I say, Papa Jack, how does this kingdom look like? He says, son, I do not know. But all I know, it would only be entrusted to a family. And that's when I got that one line that I got that girl to use in that video. 
And now, uh, just in a week and a half, I know J.R. and I, we will be going to Pakistan, and, uh, but also stopping in another country in the Middle East. And it's just been an overwhelming experience in the last 18 years to see what God is doing. And remember, just as a little Baptist pastor, coming into a prayer meeting, we had three small old ladies there on the knees like we were on our knees today, and they were praying and they were crying out. And we never forgot that in our little Baptist church, my wife and myself, these three old saints, they're all in heaven among this large cloud of witnesses watching here tonight. And the very thing that they have been praying for over 40 years is what we experience here today. And, and I can't get over it because when you do have his presence, you have everything. And if you have everything and you don't have his presence, you have nothing. And I do believe that we are living in the greatest time that the world has ever seen. We're living during a time right now where, as I'm saying, that people have often talked about, even as Bob Jones left, as I'm saying, I think it was maybe not two days ago, but they talked about this one billion soul harvest. And I believe actually it's going to be the one billion, and Paul Kane and then Bob Jones two prophets had prophesied there's going to come this incredible harvest. And I think sometimes we've been looking at that harvest, but Papa God has been raising up harvesters. But I do believe we are living in this season where we're going to see he, he doesn't want a billion orphans, but he wants a billion sons and daughters. And that's, what, that's exactly what is taking place. We're just a family. I don't even see this as a conference. I see this as a family gathering. And uh, when the family of families are coming together in regions and areas, heaven is so attractive to family. So if God wanted something different than a family, he would ask us to call him something different than a father. But it is my papa and it is your papa. It is our father. We honor his name. Then we're going to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven on earth. It starts with my papa, your papa. And I was just thinking because there are several people in this room, including Peter. We were in Tanzania on one of our trips there. I still remember we didn't know exactly what to do. It was an environment where there was a lot of religious things that was going on. And, and, and I just was asking Papa God, Papa God, how do we start this? And he says, just ask them. Ask them, what is the Swahili word for papa? And I said, what is the Swahili word for papa? And they said, papa. And I, and I was like, I like that, Baba. And since then I've adopted that. I, I like it better than Norwegian or English, like, Baba. But I learned something that one day in this one meeting, we have about 11,000 people in this, in this meeting, and I was asking uh, the question, I said, okay, can some of you bishop and everybody just say, Baba. And then finally we got the audience, and says the audience, as I say, about 11,000 people in that beautiful room, they say, Baba. Papa, and they continued to say, but the fifth time when they said it, this wave just came in over the people. And just the atmosphere, there was scream in this room. And we saw 9,500 individual healings and deliverances just taking place. The atmosphere literally changed in this room because something took place when you actually touched the very root of the identity of these people. When they were actually just recognizing who he is, now they recognize who they are. And something started to shift and something started to change on the inside. And I do feel that uh, I'm going to take a few moments. Many of you know this message on the three chairs. And I'm not going to primary preach or teach that now. But I wanted to kind of put a little, thank you, put a little framework together. Uh, 
part of my dream with this convergence, and that's part of the reason it's fun to be here with uh, both Bob and Kim, and we've been together a few times. We kind of were laughing because one of the times we were together in the summer, it was like uh, 100 degrees in England and uh, no air condition, and we had these small, nice little rooms, and now we are in Colorado, and it's nice and cold, and we thank God for the cold weather after that. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and, and then we, last time we were together, we kind of were smiling because we talked about just eagles and everything else, and when I see there, I don't know if you see up there that the eagles and, and the lion. Whoa. So I think that we're going to <laughs> recognize, but it was part of the languages. Imagine us just full of love and full of power and full of wisdom as an ego. And what God is doing is just expanding so that we get deeper in his love. And we start to expand the love so that we can receive more of his power and his wisdom. And what we experienced, and even during the worship, this thermal updraft of the wind of the spirit was just taking us up higher and higher, eventually above the storm clouds and lives where we can see the invisible so that we can do the impossible. So God is raising up all these eagle Christians. He's creating eagle's nests all over that, that looks like family. And within those eagle's nests, first, we're getting the identity as eagles. And after we have the identity, we get the foundation to build a life upon rock in the high places. And then we're building eagle's nests, which is the family that is creating that culture in the nest that is eventually about to shift and change culture of sons and daughters of glory that is full of his love, full of his power, and full of his wisdom. So much of our desire is for us to have these encounters. And uh, I, I, I've shared many times, there will be a tremendous compliment if I don't preach. I just, I just love his presence. And I'm, I'm just hungry for his presence. I'm, I'm living for moments like this because I've had seasons in my life when there was no dove. Just pigeons. <laughs> How many of you know the difference? <laughs> I love when the dove is there, when that resting place is there, and you're becoming a resting place. Sons and daughters with a dove, everything changes. But I've also stepped into a stadium where you have 40 or 50,000 Muslims in that stadium. And just knowing if his presence doesn't show up, nothing is going to matter. And just that... that so when I'm experiencing coming together with a family and just recognizing us, just hosting his presence, there's healing in his presence. There's freedom in his presence. There is joy in his presence. Every single thing that we need will be found in his face. So just look up even if life doesn't. Because as you're looking into his face, you're going to start to see you the way that he sees you. And it's going to change the way we see everything else. And I wanted to open up and just looking at a couple of scripture verses uh, just to make this meeting legal. <laughs> I, I know that uh, Mike started very beautifully there from the book of Revelation. But, but these verses, I just came from Norway. So I know that both Bob and myself are a little jet lag. Uh, I think Heidi also was just in Poland. because I, So I think that all of us are coming in from different parts of the world and just adjusting our clocks. Uh, but the beautiful part is just as in this environment, I'm just getting recharged. <laughs> Uh, but I want you to open up, if you have, to Psalm. And this has been some of the verses that I'm just going to, uh, I'm going to just dig deep into these verses. Sometimes you get some verses, but it is not before the verses gets you that there is transformation. 
And these verses are some of those verses that started in the beginning of this year and then in Norway last week, it just, God just brought me back again and today right before I came, it just hit me again. And there's a couple of things I think that God wants to do this evening connected and that's Psalm 34, excuse me, 34, verse 4 and 5. New King James Version, it says, I sought the Lord. Say, I sought the Lord. And he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant. Say radiant. And their faces were not ashamed. Let's say that one more time. I sought the Lord and he heard me. And deliver me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant. And their faces were not ashamed. In the Norwegian, it just says there was no longer any shame on their faces. How would it look like for all of us if we're experiencing just a total freedom from fear? And then even our faces just become radiant. We're getting this incredible glow on our faces. And when people are looking at us, when we do not carry shame any longer. And I just felt that there's a couple of things I want this, this very evening. Is I just believe that we're going to go after and people are going to experience a total freedom from fear this evening. We're, going to, we, we're seeking him, but when we're looking into his face, we're going to see something that is going to change. And that perfect love is going to go into the deepest root area, and it's going to set us totally free from fear. Whom the Son set free is free indeed. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is, there is freedom. And I do believe that that's what God is going to do with us today. We're going to experience such an incredible freedom in his presence. But it's also going to be something that we're going to experience in some of the radiance so that our faces are glowing. And it's going to glow in such a way. Uh, we were just seeing actually in Norway last week. It was beautiful to watch a couple of these young people. Their faces literally were glowing. And one of them said, I said, what happened? He said, for years and years, I've been struggling with a certain area of sin in my life. And I've been so sin-focused that I didn't realize it before I had an encounter and I became sun-focused. And he said, I spent 12 years of dealing with sin management instead of glory management. And he says, after I started to see him, I started to see me. And he says, that's not who I am any longer. And I started going right in, and he, he became so free, this person. And all of the friends around, they were glowing. They had been set free. And then we got just a little testimony of another person, and just got it on the phone. There's another face that I could see the face is glowing. Another one that have seen the very face of God and seen who he is. And said, that's not who I am any longer. And the enemy had been blackmailing him for so long. But now when he showed up at work, revival has broken loose among the college students there. And then eventually his girlfriend saw such a transformation in his face that her face started to change. And now there is a revival at her university. And we're just seeing this revival that is changing as people are being free from fear. When they are seeking him, when you are seeking him, he said, I'm free from fear. And I have these three chairs with me. And part of the reason I'm doing that is to provide some language. If we're going to have a culture, you have to have a language without culture. So when I was in Norway, I had to change some of my clothes because of the cold weather. 
that was there. So with the culture, I had to adjust to the culture in Norway. And also when I'm coming to other places, I'm changing certain clothes based upon the weather and everything else. And I do believe what God is doing in this season, he's raising up a culture that is actually changing culture. And with that culture, I think also we need to have language and there need to be clear language. And that's part of what I wanted to provide with the three chairs. But I'm going to need your help just for a few moments with me. This is chair number one. Which chair is this? Let's try it again. This is chair number one. Which chair is this? Very good. This is chair number two. Which chair is this? And this is chair number three. Which chair is this? I'm just going to take for a few moments to describe the whole world. If we're looking at the world today, there lives seven and a half billion people. You're looking in America with about 330 some million people. And every single person lived a life from one of these three perspectives. Actually, everyone in this room, you're living your life from either chair number one or two or three. I hope that very few of you are in chair number three. And you're going to know that in a few moments. When we're dealing with chair number one, it is all about the kingdom of God. Say kingdom of God. Kingdom. When you're dealing with chair number two, it's about the kingdom of self. Say kingdom of self. Kingdom. And chair number three is about the kingdom of the world. Say kingdom of the world. If you're living your life in chair number one, you are saved. Say the word saved. saved. Chair number two, you are saved. Say the word saved. saved. And I know there are some people that would argue with me. And I had one assembly of God pastor. He says, hey, I don't believe if you live in chair number two, you can be saved. I said, well, in my sermon, they are saved. In yours, they can be lost. Are you saying that I cannot lose my salvation? I said, you can lose whatever you want to. <laughs> but if you live in chair number three, you are lost. Say lost. And the, the majority of the world's population are living in chair number three. They are lost. They do not know Jesus. They are not experiencing Jesus. They are not experiencing the very thing that we have been singing about this beautiful lamb that was slain, that paid the ultimate price. And we are, as I'm saying, if you're looking at that world, it can be 1.6 billion Muslims, over a billion Hindus. And I'm not going to color so much chair number three here. That's not my focus. But there is a whole world that is living in darkness. And part of the thing, Father, Father, a God that loves this world so much that he would give his only begotten son. So for me, there's something in my heart in this season because somehow this world, I do not believe they have rejected Jesus. I, I really don't. I just believe they have not yet seen Jesus. Now, I believe many of them have experienced a God that does not look like Jesus. And my major assignment in life is for every person experiencing a God just like Jesus. And the way that's going to happen is to ordinary people like you and I that are living and loving Sons and daughters that are just full of the Holy Spirit, full of his love, full of his power, and full of his wisdom. It is his wisdom. People that are seeking first, say seek first. His kingdom and his righteousness. And then all these things shall be added unto you. That's actually very good business. If you just prioritize seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, and watch, he's going to add 
all these things to you. Matthew 6, 33. So I'm going to just kind of focus a little bit because what I believe the shift that is taking place, the majority of us have been living our life in chair two. And my heart for this evening is eventually, how do we raise up sons and daughters that are finding their resting place in chair number one? When you are in chair number one, the supernatural is actually natural. When you are in chair number one, you're seeing the Father's face. You're hearing the Father's voice. You're feeling the Father's love. You're experiencing His presence, and you're just abiding in His pleasure. It was the starting point, the way it was tended to be. This is what Jesus came. Jesus always stayed in chair number one. He lived in such a relationship with the Father that all I do is what I see my Father do. I say what I hear my Father say. And my sheep hears my voice. So when you are in chair number one, and this is normal Christian life, Jesus is normal. Can I say that one more time? Jesus is actually normal. He came to show us what normal life is supposed to be like. He came also to show us how the Father is like. But then we have chair number two. Chair number two is a little bit different. This is about the kingdom of self. There is none like me. I didn't like the song. It was not for you, it was for him. In chair number two, when we're in chair number two, it's not that we're not saved and we're getting to heaven, but we don't know how to bring heaven to us. So if you have received Jesus, and if you have confessed your sin, you have received Jesus to be the savior of your life, Yes, you will get to heaven. But the problem in this life, and part of the reason I'm sharing this message because uh, there is times that I'm in chair number two and I have my beautiful wife here. She can testify. <laughs> when I'm in chair number one, she likes me better than when I'm in chair number two. <laughs> There's also a time that my wife is in chair number two. She said, happy Valentine's Day, honey. <laughs> we are building up some romance here. <laughs> and the biggest thing that we're going to see is that this whole world is actually watching. And what I'm here to say, that the majority of the world have seen a chair number two believer. But they have not yet seen a chair number one believer. And they are actually true believers. And this is my assignment for this evening. It's just raising up normal people like you and I, sons and daughters that are comfortable with love. Chair number one is rooted and grounded in love. They are rooted and grounded in love. They are rooted, the root system, and they are grounded in love. Because God is love, 1 John 4, 16. So when you're here in this place, I'm rooted, I'm grounded in his love. In chair number one, everything is connected to this love. Love connects. Chair number two is totally different. The root system actually goes back to fear. And the people that are living their life, if you go all the way to the root system, it is rooted in fear. And when I'm in this chair here, what is happening is not that Papa God doesn't speak, but it has to filter its way through your soul to be able to hear what he says. Through your emotion, will, mind, and personality. 
And when I'm in this chair, as in, I'm, I'm very restless because the very root of my system goes back to fear. And it's not that the Father is not there and one connected. Even we can feel it in a service that in a moment we're experiencing this chair number one moment. And it's like, oh, the dove is here. And then we leave the service and we're going back into traffic and we end up in chair number two. <laughs> and instead of having the dove, we have pigeons. And pigeon religion is very different than when the dove is there. <laughs> so when you're in chair number one, you're very anointed. Say anointed. And in chair number two, you're very annoying. Say annoying. <laughs> chair number one, you're very prophetic. Say prophetic. And Bob, when people are in chair number two, they are very pathetic. <laughs> I've actually had some fun. This is one of my favorite ones. I'm just being a little honest with you. I'm just setting the stage here. And then in a moment, I've been invited to speak at Bethel Reading, and I'm there at the prophetic conference. I'm sitting there. I'm just enjoying it. It's an amazing time. And then uh, somebody behind me says, you're going to have to follow that guy. And it was Sean Bowles. So Sean Bowles is up there prophesying and just reading details over people's life. But one whisper of somebody, and because that's what happened, pushed the button from me from chair one to chair two. And, and how do you know? Because you start to compare with somebody else. And that chair is always full of inferiority. But then I remember my cheers. That's not who I am. So what I did is I repented. I repented. Repent. I went back in the penthouse where I belong. <laughs> back in this chair. So when the introduction was... One of the first things I came up, it was there right away and just saying, wow, well, I, I'm just so excited. My brother, Sean, that God just used him in an amazing way. And that's my brother. When his stock went up, my stock went up because this is a family business. So when one person is getting healed, all of us are getting very excited. If you're in chair number two, it's like, why did he get healed and not me? And I do not like this chair. I've been in this chair since I got here. Can I just be honest with you? <laughs> since I landed in Denver jet like we ended up and I decided I'm not going to even mention the kind of a car rental company we decided to use to save some money. <laughs> and I started out here with a son with a dove. And it didn't take long before I realized somebody don't know the culture of honor. <laughs> And I ended up in chair number two. And then eventually somebody gave away the car that we were supposed to have. And we ended up with another car. And that car was muddy and dirty. And all the way driving down here, I'm in chair two. And my wife and I on our way down here. I'm supposed to talking about for people here to live under the open heaven. And My heaven seems pretty close right now because I can't see him. I can just see this one lady that gave me that car.
and I cannot hear that still voice because I'm still hearing another nagging voice. <laughs> but then the enemy starts to blackmail me, me, me. How can you start to witness? And that's what shame does. What shame does is focusing on who we are not because we do not see who we are. But when I realize, yeah, that is part of my behavior, that's not who I am. That's not who I am. It is true, but it is not the truth. And knowing the truth sets you free. So I got back again in chair number one. And when you are in chair number one, it is your resting place. It's called the hard work of rest. So thank you, Michael. Just even that there was none of that restlessness when it was just stillness quietness because in that quietness there's that confidence because in the nothingness there is something and there's someone and when there is no longer restlessness that you find here and you become <laughs> restful you also becoming a resting place for the dove and rest becomes your weapon of warfare and out of rest you're wearing the enemy out so the incredible situation is when I'm in chair number two, I, I, I'm thinking about America as a problem. When I'm in chair number one, I see a promise. When I'm in chair number two, I see how big Goliath is. But when I'm in chair number one, I see how big Papa God is. When I'm in chair number two, if you touch the lepers, you become unclean. If you're in chair number one, if you touch the lepers, they become clean. It's a whole different way of living and loving. And one of my favorite stories from, I was just enjoying myself again. It's one of those moments where I'm in chair number one, praying in the spirit. Baba. And after about, and here's what the enemy doing. He's trying to use fatigue. And what he does is he tried to wear us out. And when fatigue comes in, he pushes the button of fear. And you move into this chair. And you no longer see things from a proper perspective. Because you do not see the world the way it is. You see the world the way you are. So what happened with me from a moment we came and landed was this, this hammer of things and I hadn't slept and everything else. And then these prayer towers early in the morning. Ah. And I'm sitting in this chair and before you know it, I'm like. And I don't know exactly how to get out of this, but then I see this one person. I'm going to turn on the television chair too to watch some news. And it was just like one imam after the other. And I'm like, this didn't help me to get me in chair number one. And I just could hear the little whisper of the Holy Spirit says, I want you to meet this person. And JR was there as part of that meeting. I want you to meet this person you see on TV. And I was thinking, I don't want to meet him. I want to sleep. I want to rest. I want to get back in chair number one. But I could still hear a little whisper of the Spirit. I want you to meet him. Make this story short. We send an invitation to his headquarters, he says, there's no way he won't see you. I mean, do you know that this person speaks to 60 million people around the world? And you, you, you can meet him. And I was thinking, yeah, now I can sleep. I was obedient. 
And then the Holy Spirit said, I didn't ask you to try to meet him. I said, I want you to meet him. I said, I don't know how to do that. It was almost like the Holy Spirit, now we can begin. And I, at that moment, I had to go back again. I'm so sorry, Papa. I need some rest. I need to see your face. Because what I'm seeing here is not from the right perspective. Something started to shift first in me. It's kind of what Isaiah, at the moment when King Uzziah died, I saw him high and lifted up. And the moment when you see who he is, then you see who you are. And before that, you maybe think the problem is with the world, but now he puts us this fire on your lips. And that's what I felt even in the service. It's just, that's when your ears are open up. And your lips starts to burn and your ears is opening up. And he's listening to the conversation of heaven. And they are talking about, who are we going to send? The Father, Son, Spirit, who are we going to send? Now he's listening to the conversation in heaven and eventually makes himself available. It was that shift that was taking place. But he says, what do you see? And it started what I was seeing. But now I was seeing in the spirit realm. Make the story short, I ended up giving him an International Peace Award of the Year. That opened up the door and we went there to the headquarter and came in and all these imams on one side and the women behind the burke on the other side. And I said, I've come here to deliver the International Peace Award of the Year. Because now you're treating people based upon their destiny, not their history. Something shifted in the atmosphere that connected us. They just started to release favor and it's actually one of the mosques I'm going to be in a few weeks is to be able to represent Jesus in that mosque. Amen. Kind of this story that I wanted just now, as we have a framework and putting this together, it's very different when you are prophetic in chair number one compared to chair two. That's why I love heart prophets. They come and they're motivated from love. You do not just do a diagnosis and tell what's wrong with this world, but you're coming in there and and the next moment starts to release. If I recognize there's a lot of fear, you start to release perfect love because perfect love always casts out fear. You, from here you realize we don't have a darkness problem but lack of light. So the big challenge for, I think, for many of us, if it is in our marriage, if it is we're raising kids, because I do believe that that's what God is going to do in this season. If you see one generation was in revival in China, but one, the next generation is talking about it, and the next one don't believe at all. And you will see this pattern over and over again in history. And pro what we are seeing here that is taking place, and that's why I love both this house, and I know Bridgeway and other houses here, where you see this generational move of God's Spirit. What is becoming the ceiling of one generation is the floor of the next one. We're a generation, we're not competing with one another, but we are completing one another. Where the fathers are looking at the sons, and the sons are looking at the fathers and the mothers, and everybody's pointing to one another. And when I see some of the... The worship leaders and the worship team and the people that are up here with this extravagant worship, I'm just like, something is happening in my heart. I was like, I like to take these people anywhere in the world. It's like, wow. Because it's not something they do, it's something that they are. I know the, the big difference is between, this is not something that we're going in and you have a visitation in chair number one and you live in chair two the rest of the time. We don't want another visitation, we want habitation.
this is going to be a culture that is changing culture. This is going to give us the most glorious homecoming that the world has ever seen. They all are looking for a home. They're looking for a family. They're looking for this place at the family table where they can find their identity back. And where they get to see themselves the way Papa God sees them. So pretty much what the story that I wanted to take back to that became very, very dear to me. Right here on this floor it was Heidi and actually J.R. also came crawling up. But some of us, we laid here on this floor maybe eight years ago. And there was something very significant that very day. We had been in Colorado Springs and I just... I was fighting and wrestling what I was going to speak about. And to be honest with you, there's been so much in chair too, because everything was give me, touch me, bless me, fill me, 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 me. And to be honest with you, I didn't have any more oil. So you were going in and people said, I want your oil. And it's like, I don't have any oil. Could you pray for me? That's what I wanted to say. And this is just family. I'm just honest. I was like, I'm so tired because I've been going from city to city and place after place. And we were there till late at night and just pray for people. And, and there was a lot of healings taking place, but I need healing. <laughs> and that's why I love this environment. Because I have all these people, who just, they just touch you and they just bless you. And I could just be on the floor here. And that's how we ended our last year conversion. <laughs> <laughs> we all just got messed up. <laughs> and I think there's freedom in family. And listen, there is no failure where there is fathers. And I'm not talking about just gender, I'm talking about fathers and mothers. But in my room, I just went up and I just was trying to get what I was supposed to share and prayed in the spirit and I couldn't hear anything. I didn't realize I'm kind of in chair too because of the fatigue. My emotional tank was down to E. And, and it was not the spiritual issue. It was I had not loved myself the way Papa God loves me. And what I was doing is I was saying yes to many things, but I was actually saying no to me. And finally, I was in the room and I started to kind of get a little desperate. I just need a word from you. And then in a moment, I heard this whisper says, Leif, could I entrust you with my mama? At first, I thought, I rebuked this. And then I heard a voice again. It says, there was a whisper of this voice. says, Leif, could I entrust you with my mama? And then I was thinking there's something interesting because the next day, it was Mother's Day. That was the day this happened. But the next day was Mother's Day. So I thought, okay, if I call my mom in Norway, the dove will come back. So I'm calling my mom and saying, Gratulera med morsdag. Jeg savner deg og spesielt denne kake med gule krem. Don't look at me that way. I thought you were spirit filled. <laughs> Let me give you the interpretation. Happy Mother's Day, Mama. I miss you. And especially this almond cake with a yellow cream. <laughs> I just want my mama to love me and eat some of that cake. That's what I was feeling. So. And then I called my wife and said, I miss you. And I've been gone a little bit too long. I said, I miss you, honey, and I love you. And wish I could have been home with you and the kids. And I was just in that hotel room in Crown Plaza. And, but then I realized, and that's when you open up the scriptures. And you can, I'm just going to quote, but it's the scripture where suddenly, and it became very, very precious, but I felt it was for this evening for us. But in a moment, Jesus is looking. And he's looking at his mother and says, Mama, behold, this is your son. And the next moment you're looking at John and says, John, behold, this is your mama. And at that moment, everything changed in his apostolic calendar. 
And he did something. He took care of what was the most valuable to Jesus. And it just hit me to the core because I realized I wouldn't be a person that you could entrust Jesus what is the most valuable to you. Because I'm so busy, I'm all over the world doing all these different things, but would I be organized everything to take care of what is the most valuable to you? And it started a process because I had realized that in my journey, I had experienced the multitudes. We had experienced what the 72 did, signs, wonders, and miracles. I'd experienced the apostolic and the family and the community like the 12. Even experiencing 12 times the glory realm that the three got to experience. But I still realized there was something missing in my life. There was something that John had with Jesus that made me jealous. There was something that John had and captured, and I started this journey. And so I just remember, I'm still on the floor here, but now it starts, I'm starting to get something. And, but it was for me, I started to get fresh bread. But the biggest rude thing that I learned about John, I started this journey, and, and I started to look at John. Why John? Why not Peter? Why not your own brothers? And if somebody was going to take care of my mama, or if somebody was going to take care of my wife when I'm gone, who would I want to take care of her that will honor and take care of her the way that I would love? Because they would know my heart. They would know what I think and everything else. And why John? And I know that has to do with move of God's spirit in cities and regions. It's connected to nations to be entrusted with nations. Who will take care of what is the most valuable to him? And who was stewarded in such a way? The first thing I learned about John, and I want you to say with me, say Identity. Say identity. There was something John had that nobody else had. And the biggest thing about John, you will never see Matthew says, I'm the one that he loves. Read a book of Mark and you never find Mark when you're going in. Mark doesn't say, well, here's the disciple whom Jesus loved. Dr. Luke should know. But when you get through Dr. Luke and you go through there or in the book of Acts, Luke, you will not find Luke describing whom the disciple who Jesus loved. But then you come to John, and guess who John talks about? John talks about John. <laughs> and five times he describes himself as the person whom Jesus loves. Whew. That did something for me as a Norwegian, because in my culture, you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to love you the way that he loves you. Could I say that one more time? In my culture, there is something where you're not allowed to love you the way that he loves you. Culturally speaking, to say that, hey, I'm his favorite one in here. And somebody said, what about me? You can be one too. And I do not believe there is something exclusive about John. I just believe that John has been entrusted with something that I believe that he wants each one of us to be entrusted with. And if you capture what John had, you're going to experience what Peter, James, John had. The raising of the dead or the Mount of Transfiguration. You're going to experience what the apostolic, what the 12 and the community, the family had. You're going to experience the miracle of the 70. You're going to experience the multitudes. But I do believe what is taking us on this incredible journey into intimacy from an identity that John had. I'm the one that he loves. He used to be a son of thunder, but now he realized something when he's looking himself in the mirror. The other ones knew that Jesus loves me, but it was in the moment of transformation when John started to love John the way that Jesus loves John. And I realized in my own life, and I started my process of repentance. I loved him because he loved me. And I loved the world, and even the least last lost. But John had something that I didn't have. 
It's kind of a little fun story that's connected to that because one of the moments, I was still 2001, about a year after my baptism of love, I was in an event similar like this, a couple of thousand people. And I had walked all the way up front and there was these kind of well-known speakers at the time. And uh, when I came up, I was gonna get one of those reserved seats, I thought, until they remind me, now you need to go in the back. This is only VIP. So I remember the meeting had started and I went all the way in the back. And when I was sitting there, the first speaker started and then Bishop Joseph Garlington came in and he preached the message called Quantum Worship. And I never got that message. In the middle of the message, he stops and says, there is a Leif or Leif Hetland here. Where are you? <laughs> oh, okay, you back there. You are supposed to pray for me and my wife Barbara afterwards. And when the meeting was over, you could feel the glories in the room. And he said, hey, where's that Leif or Leif Hetland? I was thinking, if this is God, he should know how to pronounce my name. And I was... <laughs> But one of the key words, I was sitting underneath there just being so overwhelmed with my father's love while I was sitting there when that thing happened. I was almost like, there's all these people in this room, but I know who I am and I know who my father is. And it was almost when I was free from it, I could be entrusted with it. And when I was sitting there, I still remember I came up there and the glory of God hit and I had never met the bishop before. But something took place in the spirit realm that very day. Say with me, say Identity. The second thing you see with John that I learned, so I'm laying there on the floor getting this vision of John, capturing that John saw Jesus, but it was not just seeing Jesus. John was looking at himself, and suddenly something happened in Revelation where that love went so deep, where John started to love John the way Jesus loved John. There's one thing that you believe in him, you get saved, but in the moment that you know he believes in you, you get transformed. Can I say that again? In a moment that you believe in Jesus, you get saved. But in a moment that you know Jesus believes in you, you get transformed. And it's like our friend Bill Johnson said, Jesus didn't die on the cross to make you valuable. He died on the cross because you are valuable. And there's a value in each one of us. And John had captured this very value system. As clear as John 3, 16, I'm the disciple who Jesus loved. There's all these other people out there. But I know that I know that I know. And I choose to love me the way that he loves me. Second of all, intimacy. Say intimacy. The other thing I saw with John that day when I was on the floor was in the upper room. And I kind of have a vision where everybody is sitting around talking and you have this family gathering. And then Jesus saying, one of you are about to betray me. And you can see the room is like, who is it? And Peter is like, who is it? And John just goes there and, woo, da, 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 and he climbs. He has a computer. So he can <laughs> John just go there and put his head into Jesus' chest. And the very heartbeat of Jesus becomes his heartbeat. So other people are asking questions. John is leaning and John gets the answer. And I just realized in just those moments that when there's questions everywhere, just coming into this place. And, and that's what we are doing these days. Like even earlier, we just put our head, capturing his heartbeat. And something happens with your heart when you feel his heartbeat. Your ears open up and you start to hear again. Whoa, 
hearing his voice, seeing his face, feeling his love, experiencing his presence and abiding in his pleasure. Freely I receive, freely I give. But the third picture, and this became probably where I feel it has to do with the season here right now. And that is the fellowship of his suffering. I know this is not a message that is very popular in our stream. But the third picture, John was the only one at the cross. And I do believe that there is a warning sign with some of us. Because in this kind of a, the lifestyle that makes disappointment for a lot of believers in this chair too. Is that we maybe have visitation here. But the whole focus is what Jesus is going to do for us. Instead of who he is. So the best thing about Jesus is Jesus. Let's never forget that. And when you capture that you're coming there for a relationship, just want you, just want to be with you. You're just coming in there, there's suddenly something that takes place with him, and that's what happens with lovers in that kind of environment. So there was something there with John, and I saw this vision, and there was this Indi from India during the Jesus film. This guy ran up to the screen and says, Jesus, Jesus, come down from there. I'm the one that is supposed to be on that cross. And I've seen it in Pakistan. I've seen it in other places, the tears. They just realized when they saw Jesus on that cross during the crucifixion scene, realizing I'm the one that is guilty, and this man is innocent. And there is something that is taking place when things are tough and difficult. And I, I, I cannot always explain it. And the people that know me know the story. I've had broken neck, broken back, tumor. This Norwegian body have a lot of scars. And it's not always been easy, but God is good. And there is something to be there at the cross. There is something there. And yes, I'm in a season again in my life where I'm just laying down my life. That's how you become free. Somebody last time, they threatened to kill me. I said, you cannot kill a dead person. <laughs> and you cannot hurt a dead person. So I'm just going back again before him and says, hey, here I am. Just, I just place you in my hand. Just use my life in whatever way you want to. And there's such a freedom in that. And that's what John, John, and that's what lovers do. They're experiencing a tremendous freedom. And there is an incredible freedom for John when he's there at the cross. But John was also there at the resurrection. Then John was entrusted with the things to come. And then the last picture of John, and I'm just giving a quick summary here. And that was John was entrusted with the future of the things to come. If you read the book of Revelation from chair number two, you will say, this is the revelation of Antichrist. But if you're in chair number one, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's a whole different way of living and loving, but read the scriptures. But when John, when John captured his picture, John was the one that eventually was entrusted with the future of the things to come. And I do believe with all of my heart that God is raising up a culture just like John. They have an identity. They know who they are and whose they are. There's no arrogance in it. There's true humility because when you start to recognize, when you start to see you the way he sees you, that's when you get down on your knees. That's when you say, holy, holy, holy. When you see who he is, you start to see who you are. Who Jesus is to you is who Jesus will be through you. One more time. Who Jesus is to you is also who Jesus will be through you. 
So when John is there, but the beautiful picture, and we heard it from Revelation, and when John was looking in a moment there, he was looking and he saw a lion. And when he saw the lion, the lion became a lamb. But when you look in the book of Revelation, Jesus was 24 times lamb and only one time lion. So don't underestimate the power of the lamb. And I believe what he's doing in this season for us, and that's what's happening in his environment. He's enlarging the hearts of the lamb. So now when we show up as lion, we will have these incredible lamb's hearts. And when we roar, people will gather, not scatter, because it comes from the lamb's heart. And I see these roaring lambs, but it is coming from this place where when you capture the lamb and you start to look at the lamb, and then you start also to love people the way that he loves people. And I'm just sensing even this evening, we started with a scripture verse, but I believe that what we're going to do tonight is just become free. Is there anyone here that sometimes struggles with chair number two? Let me just see you. <laughs> what I believe is that we're about to start to see what chair number one, not just individuals looks like, but marriages looks like. Where there's totally oneness. This is all about Covenant. Not convenient relationship, but covenant relationships. But what does it look like for a church, a chair number one church, where they celebrate one another, not to tolerate one another? Whoa! This kind of a thinking can lead to dancing. Be careful. <laughs> and you can become a very joyful Christian. <laughs> and maybe the joy of the Lord will be your strength. Maybe your face will start to be radiance and there is no shame. So when the world starts to look at you, they start to see who your father is because you're made in his image. And you're an image bearer. And they're going to see how good he is and how loved they are. And it's going to lead to mass repentance because the goodness of God is going to lead to repentance. And that there's over about a billion people that are waiting to get home. But the biggest obstacle is this. Sometimes I have it in my life, and we have it in our marriage or in our kids, but this is where I believe that what God is doing these days is saying, hey, that's not who I am. This is sin-focused. This is son-focused. This is sin management. This is glory management. And if you're going to go from glory to glory, the starting point has to be glory. So tonight, the fear, the shame... And also, I think it's also just, there's going to be a, in the spirit realm, there's going to be a bonfire of past. Where the regrets from past, where the enemy comes. You're going to have memory stones of the good things, but not carry the past with you. Because God is doing something new. And not carrying the weight of the past. No longer having shame. No longer living in fear. And experiencing a glorious homecoming. And finding your resting place at the family table. Whoa. And this is where you're going to see that unity. That's what's taking place here. When we're coming together, and it doesn't matter who is up here. When we're coming together here as a bigger family, I believe the immune system is about to be so healthy that stage four cancer cannot live here. I believe this world deserves experiencing a God just like Jesus. And I believe that you and I, 
we would like to come home to a place where we can see his face, hear his voice, feel his love, experiencing his presence, and just abide in his pleasure.